0: Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network.
1: Mr. Gorbachev,
2: tear down this wall.
1: It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national world. People have got to
2: know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. And
0: so, my fellow
2: Americans,
1: ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country.
2: Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in to this um, episode of What the Politics. I have Emily with me and a recurring guest, Dr. Peter Francia from ECU. And so today's topic is going to be about current events. But before we get into our topic, there is a video element to this podcast recording. If you're listening to this, you can watch the video element at WNCT.com. So now let's get right into our topic, current events. We left Afghanistan, troops left Afghanistan, United States left Afghanistan officially last night, which would be August 30th here in the States, but then um, uh, that would meet the Tuesday deadline for, for people in Afghanistan. Let's, let's start off with how did we get there? Why did we end up there? Um, Dr. Pierre-Francie, if you can kind of give us a, a little insight into why we were there in the first place.
1: Well, let me begin by thanking you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to, to both to both you and Emily. Um, always enjoy these podcasts. So to answer your question, how did the United States get involved in Afghanistan? Well, the answer is pretty straightforward. The September 11th attacks in 2001 uh, triggered U.S. involvement in Afghanistan. Uh, the terrorist attacks were not launched specifically by the country of Afghanistan, but terrorists were training in Afghanistan. And uh, that that was a, a factor in it. Uh, Osama bin Laden was also reportedly um, in Afghanistan and the United States after the 9-11 attacks uh, made it a mission to, uh, to capture and, uh, and, as it turned out, kill Osama bin Laden. So the September 11 terrorist attacks uh, is the straightforward answer to your question. That's why we, we got involved in Afghanistan.
0: Definitely. And then kind of talking about, you know, where we are now you know a lot of people are kind of throwing the word blame around you know throwing blame at possibly former president donald trump president biden you know is there someone to blame for the situation we're in now or is is blame the wrong word to use entirely
1: yeah i think that you can certainly um uh find criticism of the evacuation in afghanistan uh that might that might be a little bit different than using the word blame but uh, certainly, there's been criticism, actually, from even from Democrats um, in Congress, uh, and from you know even allies. Uh, Tony Blair, who's uh, was a member of the Labour Party, left of center political party, uh, was critical of the uh, the withdrawal process led by um, led by President Biden. So there have been um, there have been pretty widespread criticisms. Um, of, the, of the withdrawal process, the evacuation that's been going on in Afghanistan. Um, if we're gonna go back beyond that, you could certainly look at past presidents and talk about their role in, in uh, creating the Afghanistan situation that of course uh, President Biden inherited. But if we're talking about at least in the immediate, and I think that's really more uh, the direction where your question was headed, Uh, You know, then, then certainly, uh, as Joe Biden put it, "box here." And the the most charitable way to put it, Um, I think you could use stronger words than that. Uh, But you know, uh, Biden had initially promised an an orderly uh, withdrawal process, and I think some of the images that came out over the past week or so um, indicate otherwise.
2: My question is, why didn't the the war end? Why didn't we um, uh, send troops, you know, home out of Afghanistan after Osama bin Laden was killed?
1: I think that's a very good question. And some people have raised that, that if one of the, of course, the stated goal was to, was to capture and, and even kill Osama bin Laden. And so once that was accomplished, Uh, One could certainly make the argument that that was an opportunity for the United States to begin its process of leaving Afghanistan. Uh, Why we didn't is really a question for former President Barack Obama um, to answer. Uh, You could also uh, ask President Trump, who uh, came after uh, uh, who came after uh, President Obama and raise that question to him. Well, why why was the United States still there? Uh, so I think if we're going to um, go beyond, you know, look past beyond the immediate situation and ask the question that you did, which is why were we still there after, uh, after Osama Bin Laden was captured and killed? I think that's a fair question. And we would have to ask uh, former presidents uh, Obama and Trump uh, the answer to that.
0: And I'm kind of wondering, you know, I'm sure that there's some americans obviously very upset about this you know why did we stay you know why did we use resources spend money you know use the the lives of our troop our service members you know i'm sure there's a lot of people upset about why we didn't leave earlier so you know what do you think is their sentiment behind that what do you think is i guess really i don't know how to (laughs) phrase this question the way i'm trying to um I guess you know um, yeah how does their where is their anger really stemming from do you think it's it's a justified anger
1: well let me before i answer that specific question let, let's again remember one of the the chief goal in in entering militarily was the uh the bin laden capture and that was accomplished so i i think anybody that would say that lives were lost um needlessly are forgetting that important point. So there was a military objective that was accomplished, and I think that's important to remember. Uh, Again, um, I think the the fact that the Taliban uh, is back in power, remember that was the government that the United States toppled when we first went into Afghanistan, the fact that the Taliban is back in charge of Afghanistan. um, i uh, Certainly you can understand why some people would feel because of that, uh, that much of the sacrifice that went into this, both in lives lost and, uh, of course, tremendous amount of money that was spent um, by the United States in training um, uh, what is now the former Afghan government um, and supplying uh, weaponry to that government. Um, All of that has been lost um, and the Taliban is back in power. So certainly from from that side of things, um, I think one could look at it and, and understand why there would be frustration.
2: So the the Taliban, what? While they were in power, there was. Are now they they they've regained power. First of all, who are they, and are they someone that the United States would consider an enemy, and why?
1: Well, they were definitely the enemy of the United States after the nine eleven attacks. But the politics in Afghanistan has grown. You know, it's become a lot messier uh, over the last 20 years. You have uh, a a much more extreme terrorist organization, ISIS-K, operating in Afghanistan. And ISIS-K is more extreme than the Taliban. And at this point, those are the the two major forces that are fighting it out now in Afghanistan. And given those two options, the Taliban is the more moderate faction uh, of those two. So in 20 years, a lot has changed. I don't think that we would say that the Taliban is an ally of the United States. Uh, Although it is worth noting that um, many of the uh, Afghan fighters who would call themselves part of the Taliban today um, were allies of the United States in the 1980s when uh, the United States was aiding uh, Afghan uh, rebels in their fight against the Soviet Union in the 1980s. The politics of this region have been messy and complicated Uh, going back more than 20 years. We could go all the way back to the 1980s when the United States was covertly um, aiding Afghan rebels in their fight against uh, the Soviet Union and communism.
0: Messing up my mic again with my mute button, sorry. So what direction are politics headed in Afghanistan now that the Taliban has, you know, risen up into power? What direction is their politics headed in? Because I look at this as, you know, I'm I'm scared for women in that country. You know, you've already seen reports of women being beaten in the street for not wearing their, their head coverings. You know, you've seen um, multiple business owners out trying to cover up posters with paint of women with makeup on and things like that. So, You know, what do you think? What direction is this headed in?
1: Well, the Taliban government has been under pressure from uh, from other governments. Uh, Turkey, for example, uh, a NATO uh, member uh, and an ally of the United States has, uh, you know, been putting at least um, uh, public statements out for uh, more respect for women's rights um, in Afghanistan um, I'm, you know, couldn't tell you how much impact that's going to have. But the new government is um, going to be under some pressure from countries from all around that region um, and around the world um, to improve its record on women's rights. If if you're asking my opinion on this, and I should preface by saying, you know, uh, both of you know this. My area of expertise lies more in public opinion and in American elections than it does in foreign policy. Uh, But, you know, based on the track record, certainly of the previous Taliban government, um, it it certainly um, is cause for great concern for those who are, you know, for anyone concerned about the rights of women in that region.
2: And I think uh, kind of prefacing your area of expertise is a perfect step going to get into what's happening here in the United States. And, and especially here in North Carolina, we have a, a Senate election happening in 2022. And, and there's a, a lot of people are mad at their elected officials uh, at the party in power, um, which currently is uh, the Biden administration, Democrats, and then Governor Roy Cooper, uh, Democrat. So um, how, how are these developments looking for specifically, at least in um, North Carolina? for the elected offices coming
1: up? Okay, well, definitely a topic I can speak with a bit more authority on. Uh, Elections, midterm elections have, uh, going all the way back to the presidency of Franklin Roosevelt, midterm elections have always been kind uh, to the party that's uh, out of the White House. So there have been a few exceptions to this. Uh, 2002, for example, was one. The Republican Party actually picked up seats in the midterm Uh, even though George W. Bush, a Republican, occupied the White House, uh, one of the few rare exceptions to that rule. Uh, 1998, Bill Clinton was in his second term, but it was a midterm election, and we saw the Democrats pick up seats uh, in the House of Representatives. Those uh, tend to be rare, rare events when the president's party uh, picks up seats. So just from a historical perspective, forget everything that's happening right now. If you were just looking at things from a historical Uh, perspective, you would look at the situation and say that the Republicans have a very, very good chance uh, of winning back uh, majority control in both the House and the Senate. Of course, the Democrats' margin is is as thin as it could possibly be in the Senate. Um, The vice president, Kamala Harris, currently breaks any tie votes and the Senate is divided 50-50. So the Democrats get the 51st vote only because they have uh, the presidency. Um, And they have the vice president there to to break the tie. Uh, House of Representatives uh, was a bit of a surprise in the last election. Democrats were confident that they were going to gain seats and add to their majority. And that did not happen. Republicans actually picked up seats uh, despite Joe Biden winning the election. Usually it doesn't happen that way that uh, there are coattail effects. And when there are coattail effects, the president's party in a presidential election year uh, they tend to win seats. So, if you know, with Biden's victory, the expectation certainly heading into the election uh, was that Democrats would would pick up seats um, in the House of Representatives. It's strange when that doesn't happen, but it did not in this uh, in 2020, and that narrowed the Democrats' advantage in the House to a very very slim majority. So, Republicans enter in 2022 with um, with a real opportunity to cut into that slimmed Democratic majority and to overtake it uh, in, in 2022. And so there's a real chance, a very real chance, that Republicans will be in the majority after the midterms in both the House and the Senate.
0: You already, you know, you, you told us you do a lot of uh, public Policy or public opinion, excuse me, and public surveys as well. So, have you done anything kind of uh, up to this point about the 2020 midterm election, and and gotten any thoughts from people about you know what they're kind of thinking about this?
1: Well, it's too early right now to be to be polling um, the 2022 elections. Uh, This is a little removed from your question, but uh, we, the, the Center for Survey Research, will at ECU will be getting involved in the Virginia gubernatorial election shortly after Labor Day. So we'll be back in the field as a center. Uh, that's a little bit different, though, than what we've been talking about. Uh, but Virginia and New Jersey are two states that have gubernatorial elections in an odd numbered year, which is typically, um, you know, typically a bit strange. We usually do our elections in even numbered years. But there are sometimes places where you have local races in odd numbered years. Uh, and in the case of New Jersey and Virginia, they do their, their gubernatorial elections uh, in odd, number, odd numbered years. Uh, the Virginia gubernatorial race is not far from North Carolina, of course, and and it's potentially a close one, uh, at least based on some of the polls that are out there currently. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna dip our toes into those waters soon
2: enough. And um, there's a there's a special recall election for Governor Gavin Newsom. In, um, ah,
1: yeah, that's a good one. Years. I'm glad you that's a good one to bring up. That's right. Um, And that, that again, we haven't done any work um, at our center about it, but there has been pretty extensive, there's been a lot of polling on it. And uh, yes, the recall process in California is a very strange one. Uh, There is a sort of an up or down vote on Gavin Newsom and if the vote is down, then it's the candidate with and there are just literally a a ton of them um, on the ballot in California. Uh, a simple plurality wins the candidate with the most votes would become the next governor. And the last time that happened, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, was elected governor in California. Again, we're going back going back about two decades or so now um, to that election to that election. Uh, But that's how Arnold Schwarzenegger got in um, into the uh, governor's mansion in California. the, the same process would apply here, and, and Republicans have uh, have a shot at winning the governor's mansion in California. That I think most political observers would tell you would be almost impossible um, in a typical election year. So this is, uh, you know, certainly stay tuned. California, uh, most populous state in the union, and there is also an 88 year old senator, Dianne Feinstein, uh, and if anything. Um, you know, if she were to, um, if she were to, she were to die in office, and certainly no one's wishing for that to happen. But at 88, it's, it's something that, um, you know, some people have discussed, um, or if she were, you know, unable to, uh, to, to finish the end of her term, um, then a Republican in California, if they were to win the governor's mansion, would be able to appoint the next senator. And a Republican governor is going to pick a Republican um, for that Senate seat. Now, that's significant because I mentioned earlier, the Senate is 50 to 50 right now. And if you take one Democrat away and put a Republican in, you you don't have to have a Ph.D. in math to figure that out. That would be 51 to 49 advantage for the Republicans. And all of a sudden, just like that, uh, without even the 2022 elections happening, the Republicans would be in charge of the Senate. So California is significant in, in, in a number of ways, so keep an eye on that. as national implications.
0: Definitely. And when it comes to these 2022 midterm elections, you know, obviously the pandemic is going to be a hot-button issue. Um, I think this, this withdrawal from Afghanistan is going to be a hot-button issue. Is there another one that really sticks out in your mind that you think that American voters are going to be focusing on for this election?
1: Yeah, you mentioned the pandemic and the, and the war in Afghanistan as two as the top two, I think that those will certainly be um, among the top two, I think, related to the pandemic is the economy. Uh, so it's some sometimes a bit hard to separate those two because the the response to the pandemic obviously has an impact on the economy. So in some sense, that issue is those the economy and the pandemic are tied together. But of course, the pandemic also is an issue about public health, and that is makes it a bit different than just talking about the economy. But keep an eye on where the stock market is headed. Uh, keep an eye on the, the unemployment rate. Uh, those are uh, obviously indicators that um, will uh, suggest you know, how, how the economy is doing. And if people are upbeat about the economy, that, there's you know, mountains of research that suggests that that does matter to voters. So if uh, economic numbers are in good shape, that that could certainly help uh, the Democrats uh, because it tends to help the party that controls the White House. Um, but if the economy were to dip uh, before the November elections, that could spell real doom for Democrats. You could be talking about um, really big, big Republican gains in both the House and the Senate if that were to happen. Because the, the Democrats are swimming upstream as it is. Uh, and, I, and the reason for that, as I mentioned, was the, are those are those historical lessons that the you know the party of the president always historically does poorly um, in the midterms? It's really a question of how poorly. And again, if the economy is in is in strong shape, then I think the losses that the, the Democrats suffer in the midterms will be small. Um, but if the economy were uh, were to dip um, and we were to um, be in a bad situation in 2022, then then Republicans are likely to win a whole lot of seats.
2: Just off the the top of your head, um, Governor Roy Cooper's popularity among North Carolinians, and then the two Republican senators' popularity among you know people here in North Carolina. Does, does one, because I know Governor Cooper's um, popularity appears to be declining. Um, I'm not sure how the Republican senators' popularity rating is among the people here in North Carolina, but do you think that uh, the Republican Party is definitely more favorable at this moment, and those senators are definitely more favorable than the Democratic Party?
1: Well, North Carolina, at least recently, you had the 2008 election where Democrats did did surprisingly well, and I say surprisingly well in 2008 because of past history that uh, Barack Obama carried the state in 2008, first Democrat to do so since Jimmy Carter in 1976. Uh, Kay Hagan, I I think if you had told people six months before the 2008 election that Kay Hagan was going to beat Elizabeth Dole, people would have told you you were crazy. Um, And she won that election and won won by quite a bit. Um, So in 2008, if you were a political observer looking at North Carolina, you would be looking at it and saying, wow, there's something really profound happening and the, the Democrats are in a position to really make some serious inroads in North Carolina in the years to come. Well, that has not happened. 2010 was a big year for Republicans nationwide, but also in North Carolina. And really in every election since statewide, uh, Republicans have outperformed Democrats. The, the, the lone exception to that uh, has been Roy Cooper, uh, who's been able to, uh, you know, win two, um, two elections, um, uh, you know, running for governor in the state. But uh, if you look at the Senate contests since Kay Hagan's victory, uh, the Republicans have been successful in uh, defending both Senate seats and in actually in unseating the, the seat that Kay Hagan held. Um, before that um, and, then, and then since then defending those seats. So if you look at the, at least the big high profile Senate races where Democrats poured a lot of money and there were pretty high expectations among a lot of Democrats in 2020, uh, Cal Cunningham uh, was, uh, was favored um, if you ask the most pundits heading into election night in 2020, uh, even despite uh, the scandal that had, had developed his campaign. Uh, many still thought that he was going to hang on and win, and of course, uh, Tom Tillis uh, pulled out pulled out the victory um, and surprised some of the experts there. And I bring all of that history up just to suggest that uh, you know North Carolina is still a state that uh, is favorable, more favorable than not to Republicans. And while Roy Cooper has been able to um, to win as a Democrat, um, despite the facts that I just mentioned. Uh, when roy cooper's not on the ballot um, and we're looking at um, a gubernatorial contest you know involving um, a different democrat um, against just about any you know um serious republican uh, you would have to say that the that there's an edge for republicans um in in that type of generic matchup
0: and Victoria, I don't know if you have any more questions about the the um, 2022 races, but I wanted to kind of circle back to Afghanistan, if that was okay with you guys. One <laughs> quick, one
1: quick, uh, one quick addition to uh, one last thing on that um, race that I wanted to mention uh, that I think uh, is important. It's it's very hard to speculate when we don't know who the nominees are yet. So um, circle back to me on uh, you know who's going to win the governor's mansion <laughs> in North Carolina when we know who the nominees are, the, the candidates do matter, um, in looking at these, um, in looking at these elections. And, uh, so to sort of talk about it in a very generic sense right now is a bit hard to do. Um, but again, I would say the, the the conditions are more favorable than not in a generic matchup for Republicans
0: right now. Okay. So circling back to kind of our previous topic of conversation, I had a few more questions about this. And obviously a lot of this is kind of more guessing and speculation, because we don't know what's going to happen in Afghanistan. But I'm curious to know, you know, there's still, I mean, they say it's, they call it the low hundreds. They say there's low hundreds of Americans still in Afghanistan, but you know, there's been lists sent over of people that they need to still evacuate that are American citizens. But how likely is that, that those American citizens are going to be able to safely get out of Afghanistan with this, this period gone?
1: I, I have no way of knowing the answer to that. Uh, certainly, the, um, the Biden administration will be working um, um, very hard diplomatically with the Taliban government to ensure their, um, their, their safe travel back to the United States. Uh, obviously, if that doesn't happen for any reason, um, it will be quite a big news story and it'd be very damaging politically to the Biden administration. Um, to say nothing of the fact that it would be a horrific tragedy as well, if anything, um, you know, if, if any harm were to be done to American citizens who have not been able to, to leave the country yet. So we'll see what happens. But I, I really don't know enough about, um, and I, I think it would be hard, you'd be hard pressed to get a good answer from that, even from the people who are very close to that situation, um, where they could say with any certainty, um, what's going to happen.
2: And this will be my last question. This is about our Vice President. Um, Her popularity also appears to be declining. Um, I'm not sure when when there was a lot of hope at the beginning of the presidency that she would bring in she would be more left than Biden himself. Um, And I'm not sure exact kind of just give us an update on how she's doing and how her popularity is and, and what her future seems to be. Um, for the- Well, I would
1: say I would say this about any vice president, whether it's Kamala Harris, whether it's, uh, you know, we could go back and, and talk about virtually any vice president um, uh, from the beginning of uh, you know, public opinion research and polling. And we know that the popularity of the vice president is always tied to the popularity of the president. And Joe Biden's uh, numbers uh, have declined um quite a bit over the past month but certainly since um, this the withdrawal from afghanistan we've seen some movement uh, where biden's disapproval numbers uh, at least the last time i looked which was um, um, yesterday uh biden's disapproval numbers now are slightly higher than his approval numbers if you look at the um, at the averages um, across uh, the different polls that are out there um, 538.com um, offers those numbers and Disapproval was slightly higher than approval, and that that marks a pretty significant change from where Biden's numbers were um, at, in the early part of the summer. Uh, in the early part of the summer, uh, Biden's approval numbers were uh, ahead of his disapproval numbers. You know, in the neighborhood of about ten percentage points or so. Um, I'm I'm sort of rounding there, uh, but but you know uh, he was above water, um, and now um, disapproval has creeped up above. And I mention all of that because. Uh, Kamala Harris's popularity is is entwined with uh, with Joe Biden's presidency. So if you look at Biden's numbers and you see them dropping, um you can almost rest assured that the approval numbers for the vice president are going to drop with that. I don't think that there's anything that Harris has done specifically that I could point to to say that it's, you know, something unique to um, to Vice President Harris. Uh, I think it's I think that what you're seeing in terms of her drop is more tied to uh, to Joe Biden's presidency.
0: Sure, well, I think that was all the questions that we had for you today. We really appreciate you you taking this time out of your day to speak with us, Dr. Francie, about these topics, these current events. And for those of you guys who are are listening or watching on our release date, President Biden is expected to give an address to the nation regarding the the Afghanistan withdrawal and the situation going there. So please feel free to check that out. later on in the day. Um, and of course you can always find WNCT or what the politics, excuse me at WNCT.com under our features tab on the WNCT podcast network, of course, on Spotify, Apple podcast, and wherever else you guys listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see y'all next time.